Lockdown Diaries with Jack Kirby Lowe, episode 2. Hi, hi everyone, good morning. It is March the 26th, it's a Thursday, if, uh, if my calculations are correct. Um, yeah, thank you everyone that listened to the the thing I put out yesterday. Uh, it was lovely to see some feedback and things, and I'm glad people thought it was a broadly good idea. Um, so yeah, now it's a difficult second episode. Um, so yeah, uh, I was working yesterday, I sort of did uh, the recording first thing in the morning, and then popped all the art and uploaded it and stuff over sort of lunch break. Um, so yeah, it is the morning. I've just boiled the kettle. I'm going to pour a cup of tea, so there might be some nice sort of furly effects you might be hearing here. Um, I just thought I would go over how I kept myself amused in the post-work, pre-bedtime times yesterday. Uh, so, the first thing I did, one one of the advantages of, um, of living at my mother-in-law's house rather than uh, my house is she has Sky, which is great. Well... It's broadly good. Um, the new Skybox that sort of connects to your Spotify and your Netflix and your cast it from your phone and all the rest of it. So it's an all singing, all dancing thing. Uh, and you can record channels and things. I'm not sure how many channels there is that I uh, uh, sort of would normally opt for in a given under normal circumstances. But one thing it does have is Kirby Enthusiasm, which is one of my all time favourite television programmes. And just at this time, luckily enough, uh, it's been broadcasting its new 10th season, uh, series, season. I like to say a series, it feels a bit more British, but, you know, that's probably just completely needless. Um, so yeah, uh, I have been watching that whilst I've been under lockdown and using the series record features and things, um, which is great. And yeah, it was the final episode of the series last night, and I just want to sort of sing its praises, uh, both that episode in particular and the whole series. Uh, I loved it. Um, it's just, I don't know, there doesn't seem to be anything quite the same as it. I mean, you talk about sort of these cringe comedy things and people talk about The Office and stuff like that, but it's not, it really isn't the same kind of thing as that. For anyone that isn't aware, Curb Your Enthusiasm is a sitcom uh, starring and written by Larry David, the creator of Seinfeld, uh, playing a version of himself as he goes through his life as a millionaire in Los Angeles, uh, and his unique outlook on life usually brings him into conflict with friends, family, and members of the public as he causes upset with his views. Uh, it's quite funny because there are situations in which he is clearly broadly i don't know you would think he's in the right in the conflicts he gets into with uh, with those around him and clearly there's times when he's just just asininely arguing a point that any normal person would have let go a long time ago um i don't know how it's how it's made um i mean i'm uh, it's scripted to a point but i'm sure there's a level of improvisation there um but yeah i <laughs> It's quite funny because I, I don't know. I, I generally would have little sympathy for the trials and tribulations of uh, some millionaire privileged guy, but it's just so well done. 
uh, and aware of itself as well, I think, on a level, um, that it, it just it just really works. Um, people were talking, I think I want to make a comparison to the um, Parasite, so the, the Oscar-winning um, uh, South Korean film that I imagine most people are aware of as well. So one of the sort of key elements of praise that Parasite got was just how it's so tightly written and how everything in the script and everything that you see on screen comes into play at a later point and that is fantastic and it was really well done but Kirby Enthusiasm does this like every single episode basically everything that goes in there pays off later on and it's just it's it's a marvel to see um it's kind of like if you want an analogy um like a Rube Goldberg machine so uh, you might have seen cartoons of these and people on YouTube uh, are certainly sort of doing them now particularly people sort of on house 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 arrest self-isolation um, so they're sort of overly complicated contraptions where a ball will go through some cogs and then hit a lever and then that will put the cat and then the cat will scratch the summer and it will set another pulley going and all the rest of it and then at the end of it a fried egg pops onto the pan so overly complicated machines for a very simple purpose and that kind of feels like the spirit of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. So just these ridiculous convoluted situations that result in <laughs> just a silly either slapstick or egg on your face kind of moment usually at the expense of Larry David. Um, so I loved it. The episode last night um, well, as I say, was the conclusion of the series. I say last night. I watched it last night. I think it broadcast in America earlier uh, and I think even in the UK it was the day before last but whatever I watched it yesterday um, yes so it was the conclusion of the series and sort of the running theme of the series has been Larry uh, setting up what he calls a spite store so early on in the season he is uh, offended and barred by um, the owner of a local coffee coffee shop uh, Mocha Joe's so in retaliation for this perceived slight, um, well, it was a slight, um, he sets up his own rival coffee shop in the, uh, in the lot next door. And uh, yeah, it, we see him uh, setting up his store, hiring staff, getting his beans and all the rest of it. Uh, and yes, uh, by the conclusion of the episode, um, the series rather, the, sh the, uh, the store is up and running um, and Larry seems to have won his uh his vendetta against mocha joe but of course this being kirby enthusiasm there are events sorry i sort of had a had a bubble in my breath there that wasn't pausing for dramatic effect <laughs> it was me physically not being able to speak um but yes it's fantastic and there's a lot of other bits and pieces that are going on uh throughout the episode two um we see that other other celebrities of, uh, of Los Angeles have also set up their spike shops as well. So there's a few amusing cameos there. Um, I mean, the show does have quite a lot of cameos and things. And again, it's not the kind of thing that I generally find particularly funny, like just seeing a famous face in a, in a slightly silly role. But I don't know. There's just a level of awareness and quality to the writing that Kirby Enthusiasm really, really works with it. So if you are, again, if you're stuck in your house uh if you're not working or if you found yourself with lots of extra hours of free time to do something with i would really recommend going through the curb your enthusiasm back catalog i'm sure there are ways to do that 
uh, certainly legally and probably illegally too, or morally grey. I don't know. Who cares? Um, so yeah, Kobe enthusiasm, big thumbs up from me. Um, so the other thing that I did last night, um, I have to say, it feels almost like my social life, such as it is, has actually actually picked up <laughs> since being under under self isolation and lockdown. Um, my friend Mark. Uh, has set up a virtual film club whereby a whole bunch of people are agreeing to watch films together at the same time, same place, using um, the Netflix party application, which I don't think is actually made by Netflix. Um, it's an extension to Google Chrome or Firefox or whatever, um, whereby you set it up, someone sends a link around to a film, everybody clicks on it, you click on the extension, and then you've got someone that's in charge of playing the film and pausing it and selecting it and all the rest of it, or whatever, TV series. And, uh, and then people can, can, there's a little chat bar at the side and you can talk and chat through the film. So obviously if you're the kind of person that doesn't want distractions uh, whilst you're watching, watching a film of your choice, um, then it may not be ideal. But if, I don't know, if it's something relatively light or some, you know, if you're with like-minded people that will sort of just ask pertinent and non-annoying questions, then I think it's fairly smart. My trouble with it was that I couldn't seem to manage to get the film itself broadcast onto, onto the telly. And again, Lawrence Wong has a nice big telly, which <laughs> I'd like to take advantage of while I'm here. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, I couldn't. I mean, I'm sure there's probably a way. My technical capacities are, do have their limits. Um, but yeah, I couldn't get it on the side. So I had to watch it on my laptop, which was fine. And then, yeah, you've got the chat bar at the side. So it's a slightly, it's not a sort of cinematic experience. I'm sure Martin Scorsese or whoever or David Lynch, whoever it is that uh, is upset about people watching films on their phones would probably have conniptions about it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, Function seemed to work quite well uh, once people got set up. Um, and yeah, well done people that have made Netflix party. So the film that we actually watched was The Phantom Fred, or Phantom Fred, um, by Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, not a film I'd seen before. And I thought it was okay. I know it's, it's a very, very well-liked film. Um, it's got all the accolades and critical acclaim and stuff. There's just something about it that didn't quite hit home for me really I'm just going to refer to my my little notes that I've made so um, again for those of you that aren't aware it's um, it's got your man <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis uh, starring as uh, a, ch a, a tailor a dressmaker a dressmaker in the 50s uh, in the in, in the Britain and he's a bit of an awkward so-and-so he is very particular about how he has likes his life and how it's set up uh, and his daily routines and things he has he lives with his sister who runs a business with him who's equally formidable and um again uh very comfortable in their own routines and sense of power and things like that um and he he comes across a young woman alma uh who is played by vicky Kreitz or creeps um yeah, he encounters her, he becomes somewhat infatuated with her, she comes to live with them, and he's, she is her, his sort of pseudo-lover, muse, 
colleague. Um, yes, and it's a sort of very strange romance between the two of them uh, and how their relationship starts weird and gets weirder, really. Um, and yeah, so everything about the film felt technically perfect. So like the, the music, so Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead did the, um, the score and that's lovely, lush and wonderful. The sets look amazing, the costumes look amazing, the performances are fantastic. Um, the way it's shot, just everything from a technical perspective is, is brilliant. But in terms of the actual story and the themes that we're exploring here, it just, just left me quite cold, really. It's, it's basically about an abusive relationship um, in, from both ways. They sort of abuse each other in the end. I, don't want to, I won't go into any specifics of the plot, but... Yeah, it's. I I wasn't. I mean, you know, I, I'm not for a moment saying that films should be portraying things that I like and support and think. I think you can absolutely explore um, things that you wouldn't wouldn't don't agree with that aren't appropriate in fiction. That's not the point I'm making. But if you are going to explore um, a sort of an abusive relationship, then I need something to latch onto. I need I don't know at least one of the people in that relationship that I'm rooting for, or I need, even if that's not the case, there has to be some sort of gripping plot element, there has to be something at stake, and it never really felt like there was anything particularly at stake other than the sort of overall happiness of these two individuals, and I didn't really like either of them, so I didn't really care. So yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis's character is just, from quite early on, uh, I was saying in the chat, he, I don't like him, I don't trust him, he's not a good guy, he's going to kill and eat this woman, which he doesn't, unfortunately. That would have been probably more interesting film. Um, but yeah, and she, I guess, I, I guess his sociopathy, yeah, I don't know if it's, uh, if he's that, That's, I'm just throwing around terms at the moment, but his bad, badness sort of rubs on off on her, and she, again, I, I was vaguely sympathetic for her, but mostly just, she seemed to be a bit of a victim, and then she just becomes fairly unpleasant herself so yeah <laughs> I wasn't rooting for either of them they didn't feel like there's anything at stake it felt um very cold very cynical I, I think Mark I don't want to speak for Mark but if you're listening Mark do do respond I think he would have described it as quite a passionate film and um sort of a very sort of intense relationship which is an intense relationship but I didn't think it was passionate particularly the, the film did strike me as rather passionless and there's there is stuff in there I and mean, as I said there's lots to recommend it but it just didn't really hit home for me and I think part of that comes into sort of my own um preferences around films so for a long time whilst at uni and for a few years whilst after I finished university I was I was a film blogger I that's how I met a lot of people on on my twitter and whatnot and yeah so I was writing for nerdly which is still an excellent website and you should go check it out um, but yeah I reviewed films and uh, it's something that I really liked doing going to see new films early and getting DVDs and things and then writing about them which I enjoyed but I think there came a point where I just I just saw too many films <laughs> and I kind of I mean life kind of got in the way which is why I stopped doing it more broadly but I was I did feel like I just kind of run out of things to say I feel like the more films you watch well, for me anyway, I know there's people out there that watch a hell of a lot more cinema than I do. Um, and I 
certainly struggle these days. I don't watch many, film watching isn't something that's just part of my daily routine like it once was. But I don't know, I feel like something kind of broke uh, in my critical faculty. And I could just say, well, yeah, I either really liked it or it was average or it was pretty poor. This is just my opinion. And if you like this sort of thing, you'll probably like it. If you're not into this sort of thing, you probably won't. And I, I, I don't know. I found it difficult to get out of that. And so part of, yeah, so part of my, um, there was fallout from that a bit is I'm very, I do have the capacity to sort of nine times out of 10 from, you know, the film's poster, the trailer, who's in it, what it's about, genre, theme, the director, all these kinds of things. I can quite usually, with quite a lot of accuracy, sum up whether I am going to enjoy a film or not uh, before I see it a lot of the time. Uh, that's just something sort of reviewing a lot of films has kind of persuaded me. And obviously, like, there are times when you get surprised by something that's sort of come out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, as I say, I could generally tell if I'm going to like something. And a part of that comes from this sort of theory I have that which is just applicable to me. I'm not saying this is a universally held true for anything, but one of the things that makes films appeal to me is if you can see sort of the thumbprints and the bits that aren't quite perfect. Um, so the like, so Phantom Fred is a great example. In in sort of every technical sense, it's absolutely perfect, and the story has obviously worked for m the majority of people that have seen it. It's a very well well reviewed film. But for me, it's almost too perfect. You can sort of um, it's like machine tooled. It's like it's come off. Um, like a prestige car factory assembly line and here it is in all its glory there is no there's so no sort of tells that a human made this and I think that's something I need from from my art if we're not you know not to get too highfalutin here but like I like to be able to see that oh yeah I can see what they've gone for there but it didn't quite pull it off but I like that because I almost sort of enjoy seeing what the person was aiming for and bridging that gap in my mind than then necessarily being successful on screen or whatever. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, I mean, he's become quite a problematic character uh, over recent years, but I used to really love the films of uh, Terry Gilliam. And part of that was because they are quite shonky and there's bits that don't work and there's dialogue that isn't quite good. And some of the performances are a bit silly <laughs> and rubbish. And, but I like that. I like sort of being able able to see sort of the distance between what they were aiming for and what was actually achieved and sort of yeah I kind of respect that more than something that was has been really well realized I mean uh, Chris Nolan's films I think that applies to sound again they feel so technically perfect and they feel so everything works and there's no major plot holes in so many of them well I, don't dissect that comment but yeah there's you know they work technically and they look great but and I do enjoy them but they just they don't they don't resonate emotionally with me as much as shonkier B movies <laughs> basically um so yeah that was my uh I've rambled on about the Phantom Fred Phantom Fred I think it is just Phantom Fred I don't know why I keep putting the definite article in front of it sounds better to me but anyway um yeah Phantom Menace by Paul Thomas Anderson um, I don't know, three stars, I suppose. <laughs> that feels a little, <laughs> feels like I'm chalking that up a bit to align with popular opinion. But um, yeah, it was fine. Um, it wasn't my favourite, but I did enjoy the experience of watching it 
in what amounted to a social situation. So that was great. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now because I've rambled on for a long time. Um, I hope you enjoy listening to that. Again, just give me a shout about anything and I'll vaguely respond to it, I suppose. Um, but yes, uh, I'll probably try and do another one tomorrow as well. So thank you and have a lovely day. Ta-ta.